0: Down your face. For something someone to embrace hey. Welcome to Sobriety Checkpoint. I'm your host Felicia Hermley. I'm a 12step returned therapist. I'm married and I have two littles under five. I love Jesus, but have had my fair share of struggling with church culture and religion. I know what it's like to be stuck in a restless, irritable, and discontent rut, drunk and sober. In this podcast, you're going to find solutions to navigating mental health, spirituality, and relationships to experience the peace you've been craving. It's time for that desperately sought-after solo target run. Grab your keys and let's go for a drive. There's no judgment or breathalyzer at this sobriety checkpoint. Welcome back to Sobriety Checkpoint. Thank you so much for coming back this week where we are going to be listening to part two of Marcy Hopkins' story. If you haven't heard part one, you can go ahead and go back to episode 46 and listen there. Marcy is the author of Chaos to Clarity, Seeing the Signs and Breaking the Cycles. This is a must-read book for anyone struggling with sobriety and motherhood. I was instantly drawn in and in tears on page two. As I read the words on the page, I felt like I was in the room with her six-year-old self. The way she tells her story makes you feel connected to her, like you know her. Her authenticity and vulnerability throughout the pages is awe-inspiring and helps you feel like you're not alone. The book is laid out into sections that you can easily refer back to if there's a particular theme that you want to revisit. When I spoke with Marcy last month, we discussed the reality of mommy wine culture, and she wants moms to know they don't have to lose themselves during motherhood. She has experience with using alcohol to cope with loneliness and how to find space to not lose yourself and still be a parent. Through her recovery journey, she has found new ways of coping, learning balance, and not spreading herself too thin, as well as letting go of perfectionism. If you relate to living life looking forward to your 5 p.m. glass of wine, then this episode is for you. And that is enough out of me. I definitely want to hear all from you the rest of our time together.
1: My priorities were very different when it was around drinking. At what
0: point did you feel like it started to become a problem for you?
1: Well, I will say the majority of my life, I wondered about my drinking because my mother was such an alcoholic. I was so afraid of becoming my mother. So I would constantly watch how I was drinking and how other people drink. And when I would notice that my drinking was elevating and getting to a bad place, I would try to tame it so that I didn't become my mother and I wouldn't make Horrible decisions. I'm not saying I was making great decisions, but horrible decisions. But towards the end at that time, I was trying to manage a career I was going after. Um, being a full time mom, my husband working all the time, traveling, working, never there and trying to do it without a nanny or someone taking care of my kids because it was so important for me to take care of my kids. Not to have someone else do it, not to have my children ever feel abandoned like I felt. And so what was happening during that time, because I felt like, I felt like a victim of my circumstance that I wasn't able to train in New York like I wanted to, to be an actress, to go into the city and constantly Go for these auditions and going after these gigs, the roller coaster of that. And then, and like I said, trying to be there for my kids and also be involved in the school and the community. I started drinking more because I've started living in resentment because I was spread so thin by choices of my own. I realized that now that I probably could have found some help and that would have helped me. But I started using alcohol as liquid courage. So because of these things, and my my husband also got a job that was a high executive job. And he had said that we needed to tame our drinking and not be drinking the way that we were. And that made me angry and resentful also. So I started drinking more at him. So it was just this combination. It was just this accumulation of all of these things happening. And it was the perfect storm. The drinking had gotten to an all-time high. And it was affecting my relationships, how I felt about myself, and my drive and purpose in life. I was feeling extremely lost, but that was the one constant.
0: And what was the turning point, beginning of recovery for you?
1: Towards the end of my drinking, what it looked like was I was usually drinking at lunch or usually drinking before an audition. When I was in the city, I would maybe be drinking after I would have an audition. I would be drinking in the evening. I would have people surrounding me that drink a lot. And I started hiding my drinking. But what was interesting is that Every night I would go to bed and say that I wasn't going to do it again, that I would try to change what I was doing and my behaviors without quitting drinking, because I was so terrified of not drinking, because it was all I ever knew. I couldn't imagine living a life without alcohol in it. I didn't know what that looked like. I mean, I had small stents that I didn't drink. So towards the end, there was excessive drinking. Again, I was still, I was still going on my auditions. I may not have been all there, but I was still, I was still productive in the best way that I could be. One thing that I started doing was showing up at maybe a sporting event, drinking, maybe a play at school. I'd been drinking. Like I couldn't not, if there was a a play at school at seven o'clock, I couldn't not have alcohol before. Like I had to have it. It just the idea in my head to not have it. I just couldn't fathom not doing it. So towards the end, because my drinking had elevated so much, I depended on it so much to get in front of the camera because my self-esteem was so low and I was so resentful and, and felt like such a victim. I had gone on a gig. It was October 3rd, 2015 and I drank to participate in this modeling gig. I went out afterwards with my friend. I wasn't eating a lot because I was trying to stay thin because I was drinking so many calories and I ended up getting a DUI. So that was the final, final straw for me. That night I went to bed still in my victim role, but the next morning God stepped in And I was able to surrender to the fact that I had a problem with alcohol. Admit to myself that, well, I like the name that they call it better today, alcohol use disorder versus an alcoholic, but that I had a problem with alcohol. And one of the biggest things that I love about my story is that that morning I walked downstairs and my husband could have said to me, It's done. I'm over. You're going to lose everything. But he allowed me to sit down and talk to him. And I told him that I'm an alcoholic and I need help. And he embraced me. And it was the first time I felt love in my life. First time I truly felt love from a man. And the weight of the world came off my shoulders. It was the most magical, magical moment. And I knew in that moment that I really had surrendered and that i was going to do everything i could do and do everything i was told to stop drinking it was time i was done
0: my eyes are tearing up no. <laughs> hearing you say that that's it's beautiful i you know i'm listening to you share about that moment with that hug and experiencing love and i think i i definitely felt what you felt as you were sharing and it felt like that must have been what you felt <laughs> that
1: day. I think when there's trauma and abandonment and all these things in our lives, we really don't even know what love looks like. We don't really know what it feels like. Yes, I, I know my grandparents loved me and they were there for me and my aunts were there, but it, it's just all these, we don't know how to be good people to ourselves and other people and, and, and expect it from other people. And we just don't really know what love looks like Or how to accept it. Like, I didn't even think I was really lovable, right? So like, even if someone said they loved me, I didn't really believe it. I didn't love myself. I hated myself. How could, and especially at that end, the hate I had for myself was, oh, it was at an all time high.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to put into words that experience. Mm -hmm. What is love? How do you describe it? How do you talk about it? You know, and sometimes it's just impossible because it's just this experience that you have. And in the moment, you just know that's what it is.
1: Yeah, so true.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, love was at the very beginning of your healing journey.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Experiencing, experiencing love from your husband and. And then finding it for myself. I was good. That's what I was going to say next. You know, what was that journey? Experiencing it, accepting it right? So in that moment, you were able to take it in and accept it and feel it and experience it and eventually you know, experience it for yourself too. Yeah. What happened after that? You said, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. What were the next steps for you?
1: So for me, I was able to go to the 12-step program. I was very fortunate that I did not have to go to a rehab. I did not have to go through detox. It's very, very hard. A lot of times when people are very heavy drinkers that their body has to detox from the toxins of the alcohol and it can be, I just want to say if anyone's out there and they are struggling and they are heavy, heavy drinkers that it's very important that you are monitored during a detox time because you can get extremely sick and you could even die. But for me, I didn't have to do that. I went to the 12 step program. I will say my first day that day, I did go in the bathroom and throw up. I it was, I was sick, I was broken, but I was ready. But I just knew that I was gonna listen because I'd been in the rooms before. But what happened was is I started comparing myself to others. My story wasn't as bad as everybody else. I convinced myself I wasn't an alcoholic, and that's what an alcoholic head does, right? Our minds convince us that we don't have a problem. But I knew then that I was going to do everything I needed to do. I fully meant it when I said I was an alcoholic. Before, when I would say it, I was saying the words in the rooms. I wasn't meaning it. I didn't fully, fully believe that. and. When you stop drinking, you must fully believe for yourself that you have a problem because you will convince yourself that you do not. Another thing that was huge for me, I believed in God, but AA allowed me to have a connection in a very different way, a very spiritual connection. The love that we're talking about, I mean, I feel that in such an energetic way. I can literally, I can call on the feeling of love now in my body from God and my angels and the spirits. And it's just so overwhelming and so beautiful. And that's what I want to put out today. But in that time, I mean, I had to learn how to do that and connect. And the ways that I did that was I had to rewire my thoughts. I had to truly heal from my trauma and peel back the layers, the walls that I had put up around my heart. And it was through those 12 steps that I began to really be able to heal. I think that going to a therapist is very important. I think that I truly believe, and it is proven that we drink and do drugs or do other things that can be harmful addictions for ourselves to fill a void because of something else that has happened to us. And so understanding and really getting to the root cause. And then there's many tools that we have to learn and adapt and do every single day, moving into a mindset of gratitude, being grateful, Each and every day, finding little things that we're grateful for and to change our thought process of a victim, feeling sorry for ourselves. Everything's being done to us. All of our circumstances. I always have bad days. Oh, I always, my travel always sucks. Oh, you know, I'm always going to be the one that gets the ticket. Well, you keep saying those things and that's absolutely going to happen. But let's look around us. What do we have? I mean, I have clothes. I have the capacity to take a shower. I can put moisturizer on my skin. I have makeup I can wear. I can wash my hair. I can blow it out with a great blow dryer. like I can get my nails done. There are so many things that we can find that we're grateful for that people do not have. But we have them in our lives and we just need to take the time to find the things in our life that we're grateful for. And just find three a day. Say them every morning. Meditate. Meditation is so important and powerful. It's powerful to change the way that we think and allow our higher selves to connect to our, our purpose in life, to be able to hear. It, it's not... A lot of people say they can't meditate. I can't stop my mind from thinking... No one can stop their mind from thinking, but we can we can quiet. We can find the little moments of quiet. And a guided meditations, were those were huge for me because I couldn't just lay there for 15, 20 minutes and, and be peaceful with that. I had to do guided meditations. So finding guided meditations on YouTube for inner child work, for anxiety, for depression, for alcoholism for connecting with God, whatever it is that you're seeking for panic attacks, anything that we're feeling, there are guided meditations that can help us through them. And doing these daily. I feel that resting is so important. I allowed myself in the first year of healing, because if you really think about how much healing our bodies are doing, our brains are doing, We need to allow ourselves to rest so we can rejuvenate and heal. When we're physically sick, what is the one thing they say? Rest, rest, rest. Well, we are healing our mind, body, soul. So allow yourselves to rest. And as you rest and you wake up the after that little rest, you can focus and move forward. It makes you curious. To find out about yourself, I started, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my interests were. So I started evolving, finding that I had interest, finding that I was a good person. And those steps, these things, I started to respect myself and love myself and find myself. And it was a beautiful process and a process I do every day. It's not something I have stopped. October of last year was 8 years of sobriety and it's so important. It's a daily practice. Healing and changing who we are, rewiring our brains, changing the trajectory of our lives. It's work. It's action. We must take that that action. And you can take it in baby steps and staying present and not overwhelming yourself about thinking the big, big picture, but just knowing that it's possible and just taking those little baby steps every single day, but making it a daily practice is vital to make the change. And through that, I I I mean, I love myself unconditionally today and I'm able to give that love and receive that love and it's so powerful.
0: Thank you. I was going to ask about coping, but you talked a lot about that right there. I guess to to end, if you had any anything else about you or your story or your book that you wanted to share?
1: Well, one thing I want to share about my book is my story. And and you you actually explained it so eloquently. But I just want people to know that my story is out there in my book, Chaos to Clarity, to connect with you wherever you are in, in your journey and to know that we all have a story. Through my trauma, I want to connect with you. Then through my act of addiction, how, where it got to, the demise of myself, I had to get to that place, that darkness to start to see the light. So no matter how dark your life is or is getting, I want you to know that there is always light. And sometimes we have to go through a very dark time to get to the light. What I share then is the journey through my sobriety, how those 12 steps touched me, how I changed through them, I educate you throughout my book, like grooming, uh sexual addiction, abandonment, how these things affect you, what alcoholism actually is, how it affects you, how addiction affects you. Then I provide mini action items and the tools that I've learned so you too can reference them and have them as like a a toolbook, book, something you can reference. So if you are questioning yourself or what can I incorporate, what's a morning routine, what are some action items that I can incorporate into my life, it is available there. This is about getting sober, but it for me, it's really about changing your thinking, moving from the victim mentality Or whatever you were put through, it's about releasing that and rewiring, truly rewiring your brain, our neurotransmitters. Think of your body as, I think of my body as like a machine now. The neurotransmitters in my brain, the different sides of our brain, what's happening when we put a substance into our body or the dopamine hit that we get, right? But then what happens when we drink too much or we're on social media too much or we're playing video games, whatever it is, we get so many dopamine hits, our body can't handle it. So it starts to rewire itself and and wire it in a different direction. So that's what I mean by rewiring it. It's wiring it into a healthy way. And so it's all about these mindset shifts that can allow you to live your fullest life and putting yourself in a place where you can see another person's perspective, seeing your role in a relationship. I'm gonna give you one really big example. This morning, there was something that my husband did. He wrote a little note and I'm like, wow, what happened to good morning? It was dogs ate and it wasn't like, good morning, just wanna let you know the dogs ate. Well, from his perspective, he just walked the dogs, uh, he just fed them, he was trying to get to his workout, and he just wanted to let me know when I got up that the dogs had eaten, right? So he tells me, like, what, like, why are you coming at me, right? And I'm trying to share my emotions and what I was feeling in that moment. And I'm like, what is really wrong? And so then he starts sharing with me, and then I start getting defensive. And I realize about myself, right, we can go to anger, we can go to that defensive place when somebody's trying to share their emotions. But I'm like, I'm trying to share my emotions. So I stepped away and I was just like, you're doing it, Marcy, you're doing it. Go back and say, thank you for sharing your side. Thank you for sharing your side. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. And I just want you to know from my perspective what it was, how I was feeling in that moment. And I'm working on this. And it didn't have to, it, it didn't blow up into this huge fight. Like I go straight to, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back for the day. That's the old Marcy. She still like, will come up every once in a while, but I know how to think it through now. And that's the beauty of this healing. That is the beauty of it. That I don't have to be the crazy, disruptive Marcy anymore, that I could recognize what I'm doing <laughs> in that moment and rethink it and know how to do it.
0: Well, thank you so much. The transformation is evident and it's beautiful. I love how you shared that the old Marcy still comes up and that just speaks to the fact that this is about progress and not perfection. And, you know, we're going to be ever evolving. So thank you so much for being here and for your time. I very much appreciate you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. It means so, so much, Felicia.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, please subscribe and leave a five-star written review. Reviews help boost my ratings, which helps other parents in recovery find my show. If you're interested in emotional sobriety coaching, please reach out and schedule a call. Check out the show notes for my contact info and social links. Don't forget to like, follow, and share with a friend. I'm super excited to know this podcast is helping you. Tune in Thursdays for the latest episode. I'll see you back here on your next Target Run. Until next time. Stronger than we think we are So fight And show Your strength I can't show you The way All I can do Is tell you my truth in grace from our God from our God Cause we are stronger than we think we are so fight and show your strength put in grace from our God good in grace from our God but in grace from our God oh! grace from our God.